Hello and welcome back to another edition of WZIP's Late Night Local Talent. My name is Ella and this week I had the absolute honor of interviewing Dave Zupp. Dave is a solo artist and a part of a duo band called Megapixel located in Cleveland. We had a great time in the studio and I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I used to have a radio show when I was at school. I interviewed um, of Montreal. Ah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, and that was like the biggest thing that we had. And there was like, they were, I mean, they were kind of like, they were known at the time, mm-hmm. but whatever. But, uh, and they had sent like a whole like promo package for their record oh, of, so cool. of, of whatnot. And, you know, it was, it was sweet. This was like 2012 at the time, but it was like, yeah, it was, it was cool. Like I loved getting all that stuff and mm-hmm. putting it in the station and yeah yeah for for my show the lowdown like our claim to fame for a hot minute was like oh we interviewed 21 piles before they got big it was like 10 years ago yeah my uh my i have a 21 pilot story but it's not like well it doesn't really involve me but this woman who does my um kind of like financial planning Mm -hmm. and life insurance stuff for my (laughs) wife and i is uh her best friend is one of their moms Mm -hmm. and so she like sees them all the time that's so cool their home and whatever but yeah we play them on the radio every now and then i'm not super into them but i mean they're from ohio gotta rep it gotta rep it (laughs) that's right i feel like if i were to pick like an ohio artist i'm more like the nine inch nails route yes love trent reznor oh man especially for like the film composing too like i'm upset like one of my favorite albums was uh the the score for mank recently uh and i am like obsessed with the way he does uh just basically anything in the studio just the way he can just really just encapsulate the feeling and the aesthetic of a film is just mind-blowing yeah it's it's nuts i mean like i was like how did they record this and i'm like thinking the whole time like oh they must use all this like vintage stuff it's like no actually he's just really good at producing and like knows how to like exactly what the feeling is there's a um a great a great podcast uh interview with him that is like very recent but is it with rick rubin yeah tetragrammaton (laughs) yeah i just heard this I've listened to, like, bits and pieces of it. I haven't oh, heard so the full good. thing yet. It's so good. I threw it on on, like, a really long drive I had, and I was like, this is this is right up my way. Yeah, just listening to Trent talk is just mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, he's just so smart. But, like, I remember, like, over the summer, he, they announced that he was, like, scoring the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. And I was first – at first I was like, okay, like, I feel like it could work, but it's just, like, so out of his wheelhouse. But, like, I saw it in theaters, and I was just blown away by the score. Like, he did yeah. such a good job. Yeah, he's he's something special. I'm so happy he stepped into composing because it, it, you know, he's like an example of like, I think like for the last ten years, people have known me for like hip hop, lo-fi right. beats and stuff like this. Is like, nah, actually, what I've always wanted to do is be like Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it, it's so it's like it, he's he's a good example of that. Is like known for one thing, really excels in mm-hmm. this this other area, and like almost like a career pivot right. in ways, and it, it's just cool to see. It's good to have different hats, I guess. Mm-hmm. I read that you have been cooking up some new music, and yep. I was wondering if you could give us a tease for what's to come. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate of it. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, new music has been uh, something that I've been working on since my first album, really. I mean, I, I, I didn't always produce my own music, so this is like it's it's kind of a newer thing for me i put out my first record in 2017 and you know i don't even know seven years later or whatever Mm -hmm. here we are and i feel like i'm i'm doing it all over again but it's because i'm experimenting with new genres for me really um so i have uh, a new record coming out 
Um, I don't have a date for it yet, but it's it's under a new name, so it's it's Ooh. a new project. Um, I don't necessarily want to give that name up right now. I'm still working on what, it, what it. it'll look like, but it is a uh, it's a brand new project, um, super influenced by uh, European house music. Um, I spent a nice. lot of time working um, kind of on different projects here and there, and uh, I was in Europe uh, a few years ago with my wife, mm -hmm. and we were just kind of hanging out, and I was super inspired by just movement and how the cities just are designed and how everything moves, and it, it led to creating some music and um, basically just kept going down that rabbit hole. So uh, I, w I, I should say it's not it's – not, like, people are going <laughs> to listen to me and be like, oh, this is like Armin Van Buren or like Daft Punk. It's not that. It's just that's what I was – kind of like inspired by and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of make my own version of that. And so, yeah, coming out soon. -ish. I don't know. I think we need a Dave's Up Daft Punk collab. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> Yo, if I could go to the Daft House, that would be tight. Um, I would love to work with uh, with uh, with those guys. Um, one of them is actually doing, I forget which one, but uh, uh, he has like a whole orchestral symphony oh, thing nice. going on right now. So like, super cool. I brought this up with Marcus because I've also interviewed him, but we were talking about Daft Punk for a bit, and I saw that they were making, like, a third Tron film. So fingers crossed they score that. Yeah. Only that time cool. will tell. That would be cool. But you talked about um, experimentation with mm -hmm. your music. Um, I guess what I'm curious about is just, like, you know, like, why do you want to experiment with your sound? Why do you want to, like, push your limits? Because, like, I feel like with a lot of artists, once they find something that works, they just kind of, like, stick with it and, I guess, like, pigeonhole it themselves, if that yeah. makes sense. Uh, so I think it's probably because I, I've never really found anything that worked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, if I was, if I found something that worked, I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, be here talking to you. I'd, yeah. I'd be somewhere else. And that's not to like no, slam good. college radio. <laughs> I'm just saying like, it, I'm doing this because I'm still trying to figure out who I am as an artist, who I am, you know, as a musician, as a creator, as a person. And I think experimentation is it, creatively one of those ways that, uh, for me anyways, it, it allows me to express myself. Um, and also, too, I'm interested by everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I love jazz. I love hip-hop. I love house. I love rock. I love, you know, Grateful Dead. I've been, like, super into live <laughs> albums recently. So it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, I, I like all of that stuff. Why can't I explore different avenues of it? Right. I don't want to like give everyone just a, a album of everything, mm -hmm. but it's like there are little references and little things that I'm inspired by that I can pull from. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like, in my opinion, like I feel like the best artists are the ones who are always just like using their music as a sandbox. So I really like that answer. Just yeah. like picking from all their inspirations. But you did mention that you do a lot in hip hop, and I was just wondering. Mm -hmm. you, what kind of drew you to that genre? Uh, you know, it started out as like just a, a sonic, a sonic interest, really. Mm -hmm. Like I, w I was raised on a lot of soul music, a lot of funk music. Um, my dad was a musician as well who had, you know, he, he played back in the day with uh, Wild Cherry. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't like in the band or anything, but he performed on stage with them. He toured all around. Um, and I was raised on music like, like that Casey and the Sunshine Band, yeah. Sly Stone, you know, all all that stuff. And hip-hop, when I was first discovering it, it was like those were records that were being sampled. And I didn't know what the samples were at that time. I was still really right. young, but I recognized, you know, I, I, I heard it and I was like, oh, this is definitely something that, you know, existed 
previously right. this dude or this person took it flipped it made it their own and so sampling was like one of those things that like first drew me into it um like one of the first albums i like really fell in love with was uh b by common mm-hmm. um it was like a, a monumental album for me and you would learn about these stories and and it was just like so much was just in the concoction of a record uh and you can get so much from a hip uh, a well-made hip-hop mm-hmm. record not that was like it just blew my mind <laughs> so yeah i i'm like similar in a sense i grew up on like a lot of like de la soul a tribe called yeah. quest which i saw that we both listened to and i was just wondering like you know like any artist similar to them or i guess there's anyone else in that same crowd like mm-hmm. did they really like influence your sound or just i guess your perspective as a musician at all yeah uh tribe tribe has been huge for me mm-hmm. um I didn't really get into the, I mean, my old, I had, I had older cousins who like gave me records and, uh, told me certain things to check out, but I didn't really like get into them until I was a little bit older on my own. Um, but I would say like Q-Tip for sure in terms of production. Yeah. Um, Dilla, uh, you know, when Dilla came through and did, uh, like the third or the fourth, he, he did a lot of production work mm-hmm. on Beats, Rhymes, and Life and, um, I, you know, not that I knew any of this, but like looking back subconsciously, that all influenced me. Right. Um, the Uma for sure. Uh, RZA. Um, I just love the way that they would take these like grimy samples and, and turn them into this like, you know, it was like it, they were like painting a picture of this whole world almost. Mm-hmm. And it was like watching a movie. And as someone who has... Uh, uh, what's that thing where you can like like synesthesia yeah. or whatever like i get i get a little bit of that so like when i would listen to a record like liquid swords or something like that i was in that world mm-hmm. not that i know anything about it or experienced it myself but it was like i i'm watching something i'm i'm feeling it and it was just like sensory overload for so like producers like that allowed me to feel that in a new way for sure that that's so cool that you say that because like I definitely hear, like, the Dilla and the Q-Tip production inspiration, which, like, I hate when people, like, don't mention Q-Tip and, like, the best producers, because mm-hmm. the dude's insane, you know? Yeah. Um, like, this isn't even, like, me talking as, like, a Tribe fan. Like, I just think he deserves his flowers. 100%. But um, you kind of briefly touched on this in your answer, but to, in your opinion, like, what is the power of sampling? Because I feel like so many people, especially if they aren't hip-hop fans, are just very, like, quick to kind of just stomp on sampling and say, like, oh, like, it's not, like, actually music-making, you know? Yeah, well, first of all, it is 100% music-making. And here's the thing, right? Okay, people want to, like, argue about whether it's original or not, but nothing is new, Mm -hmm. okay? Like, you're looking at, like, artists like, um, uh, I don't know, the birds, right? Who I think were like, or the eagles, who were like super. Someone was super salty. Mm-hmm. They they got sampled, uh, but in reality, those cats back in the day had taken from uh, a lot of artists who existed before them, right? right. Especially minority artists. Mm-hmm. So like, it, it all kind of goes back. It, you know, nothing is new, and that that's always been my my understanding of music. And I think like sampling. If you're looking at artists like alchemist or mad lib or um you know the the these producers who are like titans to me of hearing a little a little part of a song and turning it into its whole right this whole brand new thing that that is such a skill that you can't 
teach it. You can't, you know, you can learn it, but it, it's something that you're like born with and it's mm -hmm. a talent in, in, in and of itself. And so like, you know, there's a, there's a new, uh, a new song that I have coming out with, um, with a, a great friend of mine, Joey H and the beat, I made the beat over this small little sample and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get it. I don't want to get into the whole thing, but like, not not saying that like oh i'm this sample person who whatever but it's like after i made the thing i was like that was so cool that we turned this you know into a song mm -hmm. from this one little tiny thing so it's mind-blowing when you're like listening to like a song because the other day i was listening to a red man song and i just like instantly like recognized the sample after like hearing it so many times just like that's it yeah i just i think that's really fun about samples just like kind of just like backtracking and like picking out where they're from but yeah and you learn you learn so much about music mm -hmm. through sampling too like if i hear a sample i might not know what it is but i can like i might try and find it or whatever and then i learn about that artist who got sampled right. whatever whatever um there's a great story one of my favorite bands is vampire weekend oh, and nice. um there's a great story about uh ezra talks about how um Man, I'm trying to think of the song. It might have been Obvious Bicycle or something like that uh, from their third album. And he taught, they, they actually sampled like a Souls of Mischief song. Mm -hmm. um, but then he found out when he tried to clear it with Souls of Mischief, they're like, no, nah, this was a sample from someone else. <laughs> and then he went to talk to that guy and he's like, no, nah, this was actually a record that was sampled. You know what I'm saying? So it was like three versions down he just learned a wild goose chase right exactly <laughs> to figure out what this what this sample was and he thought the whole time it was souls of mischief here it was like this dude named bread or something like i don't know but whatever you know so it's it's just a fascinating way to experience music yeah i i never really understood the like sampling is unoriginal because like i feel like if i was were a music artist and like my song was sampled for something i was like i'd be honored you know yeah, yeah. promotion 100 100 percent. and a lot of artists are cool like that i mean um i just read the uh sly stone memoir and mm -hmm. he had there's a little bit of a mention of sampling in there and he's like i love this because right. it's giving my music new life it's giving people who hear this brand new life and you know whatever so what is your favorite use of a sample in a song oh since we're on the topic man. favorite use of a sample um okay uh I'm trying to think well Okay, let's go back to Common real quick because I, I talked about B. There's a song he did called Testify, mm -hmm. which is a uh, – I, I forget what the sample is, but uh, the word testify is used over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it tells this story, and it's like – that. that's a great example of, of great sampling. Um, and it just when, when the sample could kind of serve – as a, a theme mm -hmm. almost uh, so it was like well, let me testify you accuse me and so like that is that's really cool um that's a great example i, I don't i don't really even know if it's my favorite though because there's a lot of indie artists who sample mm -hmm. too I, you know talk about vampire and stuff I, man i don't know i really don't know uh it probably have to be something from dilla somewhere but i there's so many things that i could think about so i don't yeah. i don't really know <laughs> I feel yeah. like something like pops in your mind just at any point of the interview. You can just like I'll shout scream it, it out. out. Yeah. It's like, I got it. Yeah. But <laughs> all right. We're going to briefly take off our music hat and now put on our film hat. Yes. Because I saw that you were like really into like more indie film. But I wanted I wanted to like pretend I'm Letterboxd and just ask you what your four favorite films are. Okay. If you can narrow it down to four. Four favorite of all time. Um, start with 
Batman 1989 version, the Michael Keaton Batman mm-hmm. with Jack Nicholson as Joker. That movie impacted me massively as a child, and I still watch it yearly, multiple times probably. I, I don't know. I can't explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just something I used to do with my dad. We used to. He was obsessed with Batman. I'm obsessed with Batman, and that's kind of like a connection for, yeah. for he and I. So uh, Batman 1989, um, I'd probably have to say The Departed is one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, I love the Maltese Falcon, Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Throwing it back. Um, I love film noir. So mm-hmm. like, that's a, that's a very cool thing. Um, and then fourth, you know, I don't know. I would probably have to say, um, it it probably a Tarantino movie. I love I, I love Tarantino, but I, I I don't know which one I would say. I'd have to think about the fourth. I guess a question about the Batman. Did you when you mm-hmm. did you see the Flash, the newest one? I did. What, were, what was your thoughts on Michael Keaton in that? You know, okay. So first of all, we gotta we gotta we gotta mention DC DC has to hang it up. I think <laughs> they gotta hang it up, or they gotta come super crazy with the next thing that they yeah. do because Marvel blew them out of the water for so long. But now Marvel's like very vanilla ish. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of over it, so I don't know. I'm I'm hoping DC can come through. If not, you guys gotta, you know, whatever. Um, but <laughs> anyways, no, I I liked I loved the what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very cool. Um, I thought it was a little weird though. I'm not gonna lie. Like when when they found Michael Keaton, he's like scrounging for cereal <laughs> in the kitchen or something. Like what was that? You know I don't what I'm know. talking about? Um. But it was cool seeing seeing it, I guess. I don't know. It, it kept my interest, I will mm-hmm. say, which is more than other DC films have done for me. So Yeah, I I just feel like comic book movies in general are just in a huge drought right now. Like mm-hmm. I feel like DC's just trying a little too hard to, I guess, reach the same peak that the Batman did and they're just like yeah failing tremendously yeah i thought uh, i thought the batman was phenomenal it was amazing i saw it like three times in theaters i was like my first like real exposure to comic book movies i was just like wow these are awesome i hope they're all the same and then i watched that was your first exposure yeah like i've never really like watched marvel growing up that's heavy i was more of like a star wars fan i guess but i was just like wow i hope all comic book movies are like this and then it was like Thor: Love and Thunder, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania. I was like, ooh, you started, you started really heavy with yeah. Any any movie that has something in the way by Nirvana is like a (laughs) thematic point. Like I feel like that's interesting. That's hard to that's hard to top. Yeah, I love the Batman. It it was was amazing. Interesting villain selection too. Yeah, I I'm glad they didn't do the Joker though. I feel like because I've seen like all the Nolan ones. I feel like. He's a little overused at this point. Wait, so did you see the Nolan ones after? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. Yeah, I, I did it really backwards. I mean, like, so many people ask me, like, oh, do you like the Batman or the Nolan films more? And it's like, I like them both for different reasons. Yeah. You know? It's it's hard to say. Yeah, I, I love the Dark Knight. I love the Nolan ones. Um, those were really, really big for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh i just thought the batman was was super fresh and yeah. really good really good take on it and people could complain about like the length of it or whatever but i was like nah, this is a good length like yeah like i feel like if the film is good the length shouldn't matter yeah. like if he they're just stalling throughout the whole film then yeah complain about yeah. it but i didn't feel like i was sitting there for what like three hours yeah, yeah the yeah. pacing was good unrelated but i'm going back really quick super bad <laughs> That's my fourth favorite film. It just popped in my head. Not a Tarantino film. 
not not a Tarantino film, but it is my it. I'm thinking. I was like, I, there's a comedy one in there somewhere. I can't just go like Maltese Falcon and then Batman. Right. It, no, super bad. Throwing it out. I love super bad. Good pick. We got your four favorite films out of the way. Yeah. Have these four films inspired your music, whether it's in a composing sense or just in a, I guess, just you uh, emceeing? Yeah, uh, they have. Um, Batman is pretty much the reason I, I am interested in music, especially mm-hmm. film music kind of stepping into that area is like, there, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a song on the score or there's a cue called Descent into Darkness. I think that's the was name of the Was that Danny Elfman? Danny Elfman, yes. Yeah. Um, he was doing like all the Tim Burton ones. Him mm-hmm. and him and Tim Burton have a great relationship. But anyways, he wrote this cue. And in the film, it's when Batman and Vicki Vale are in the Batmobile. And he's taking her to the Batcave for the first time. And there, that, that that's probably the first moment when I was like wow okay music is doing something for Mm -hmm. me that that i've never noticed before and granted at the time that i watched this i was probably like six or seven Mm -hmm. years old but like that was a huge a huge thing for me that to 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 know that music was a part of this so like i've always i've always had that in the back of my head not Mm -hmm. necessarily with like hip-hop stuff or whatever but just always the in the back of my head the feeling that music can reach you as a child mm-hmm. if it's powerful enough and do that same thing for you 30 years later as an adult right i still get the same feeling when i see that you know what i'm saying so that that's always been something that i've carried with me um the older the older scores like i, I talk about like maltese falcon or something you know uh, i don't even think i don't even know who scored but you know looking back at like max steiner corn mm-hmm. gold a lot of those like og dudes from back in the day the, that music was kind of like the foundation for a lot of the you know uh, uh, dramatic scenes back then because you yeah. couldn't say certain things on you know there there was the code the, the haze code or whatever you want to call it and, and so like music really was in a lot of ways like um the, the a character or a, it helped convey a feeling right. um and then yeah i don't know you know um Super bad, not really super important <laughs> musically, but at the same time, um, it, I I do love the fact that like I like Seth Rogen's story. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of felt like a kindred spirit to him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like he I, he doesn't like take himself too seriously, but he's also like in a way like a master of his craft. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like I've like always tried to like look at music as like don't take it too seriously, but I respect care it. about it. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Because now my next question would be like, you know, like if you had one, like what is your favorite film score? Because I'm trying to think of my favorite. It's very difficult. <laughs> oh man, my favorite film score. I yeah, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but I will say we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Mank is a phenomenal score. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, shout out to Trent Reznor. Um, yeah, you know my favorite score would probably would probably be batman i mean that's probably my favorite it just i don't know what it is about that score and it's not just like saying like yeah danny elfman's great at what danny elfman Mm -hmm. does but it's just the it it just has such a personal attachment for me you know um and i love john williams too i mean i wrote a i was in fourth grade and wrote a report on Mm -hmm. john williams like film music has always been something that like was definitely in my life for sure um so uh you know 
yeah, Star Wars is up there too. Um, yeah, I'd say for me, easily the John Williams and his original trilogy scores. Yeah, because like just like like it's like playing in my mind now. I'm just like feeling all like nostalgic. Right, space opera. I mean, I um I was in L. A. a few years ago for my birthday. Um, I was well, I was living in California. My wife and I we just drove to L. A. for my birthday weekend. We were hanging out. I got tickets mm-hmm. to go see John Williams at the Hollywood Ooh. Bowl. And um, we watched him conduct, and he did um, this beautiful, like, medley that kind of, like, had everything in there throughout the whole show. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, crying. (laughs) It was so beautiful. But then I had – it was around the same time that Kanye West put Donda out. Yeah. And I had these, like, 10-year-old kids who were sitting behind me the whole time. They were like, Donda. Dun, 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 dun. No. And I was like, no, this is ruining no. this crazy experience for me. And someone else said something like, yo, you kids are like mad annoying. And I was like, yes, you Please are. stop. Yes. And I like turned around. I was like, you are. You are being very annoying. Stop <laughs> saying Donda. I came from Cleveland, Ohio to see this today, which was not true at the time, but they didn't know that. That's that's like terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what I would do if little kids behind me were just saying Donda the entire time. Oh, it was so annoying. I'd... My wife was like, these kids suck. And I was right. like, they do suck. This is horrible. This is horrendous. And I was like, I'm so old that I'm mad that I I bought this ticket with my hard-earned money. <laughs> and and these, these kids are ruining my <laughs> night. No, but you won't you won't ruin the goat for me. So shout out John Williams. Yep. John Williams, we love you and all of your music. Yes. I also love how, like, every other year he's like, I'm retiring. And he's like, LLJK. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to go hang in Vienna for a little bit and still conduct and do my thing. He's like, did you he- see the new Indiana Jones? I haven't. Okay, well, the, the movie is like, I don't want to say it's mid, but it's 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 okay. Yeah. Okay? There's some closure, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But the score is, like, phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like, dude. You don't need to go this hard at 93 or however old you are. But it is, like, the most inspiring thing. Um, he did uh, – what's that movie with Tom Hanks? It was, like, The Washington – The Post. The oh, Post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did The Post. Uh, and that score is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, John Williams, man. I mean, people want to talk about longevity and legacy. Look at some of these people who are conducting and composing because it is – insane to me yeah that there is that much creativity and brilliance that could come out of like one person so yeah <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day one day i believe in you <laughs> yeah yeah right right <laughs> so i guess to kind of like piggyback off the whole composing thing but mm-hmm. i guess in your opinion what is the biggest difference between you know producing music as dave's up compared to you composing a score for a short film mm-hmm. anything else um well th- there's a there's a there's a level of comfort mm-hmm. um like if i want to make a if people listen to me and they they're like oh you know you make this like jazzy hip-hop whatever whatever i know that i can deliver that yeah and i don't i'm not saying i know they're gonna like it but mm-hmm. i know that like i can whip something up right with composing um and 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 scoring to to picture right it's 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 different every time and not that i have like an extensive resume of like whatever but i have enough i've learned enough to like know that every time that something comes to my desk it's going to be vastly different and i have to understand what the story is and also to um or do my best to understand but also when if i'm making music for me mm-hmm. as dave's up right i'm making music for me mm-hmm. 
as someone who's composing for a, a film, my only job is to serve the director. Right. Like I don't you there's you take yourself out of it. It's like at that point you're just making something in the service of something else. Mm -hmm. And so there really it's completely different, but in a lot of ways like it is the same. Like I still feel like I can experiment and and do this and that, but that's the biggest difference is mm -hmm. am I making this for me or am I making this for someone else to like do their thing with? Yeah. Cuz without the movie, the the music means nothing. So I guess, since I know you've composed for, um, it was, we all say God, correct? Yes, yes, you did. This is great. <laughs> this is cool. I had, I, I love researching for interviews like these, but I guess when you, like, had the finished product, you know, like, mm. what was it like just, like, you know, like, having your score just kind of, you know, carry, act as a character, just bring, like, some emotion, like, emotionality to the piece, you know, like, what was that like? It, it was, uh, <laughs> The, uh, so that was the first film I've ever mm -hmm. done, and still to this day is like I mean we're still kind of on the I don't want to say a press run for it, but we're still yeah. very much promoting it, mm -hmm. um, and so it's still fresh. And that would to have that and to see that, and then to see it actually live out in the world and get other uh, people to mm -hmm. take it in was huge. And it, it, it's it's a short film, right? It's it you know the way I, I can talk about it is like you would think that this won like an Oscar and this, and this <laughs> but it it meant so much to me yeah. to know that I can do this mm -hmm. and to know that it didn't sink the, the final <laughs> project and that the director wants to work again and you know mm -hmm. this and that and like um, it, it it was very much a dream come true for me. Oh, that's so nice. And. Uh, you know, I look forward to, to doing more of it and, and to, I don't know, like I could score a DC movie, mm -hmm. uh, maybe if they'll have me after I just trashed them in the beginning of this interview, but You're you know like, what I'm man, saying? We're like, not bringing you on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I could score something like that. And I don't even know if it would be the same feeling as scoring mm -hmm. the small little indie film that yeah. like has a cast of 10 people because... That was the first time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and and it meant so much to know that that was a possibility for me as a creative. So, uh, best feeling ever. I'm flying to LA this week to go. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's playing at the Chinese Theater. So, um, I don't know when this will air, but at, maybe <laughs> Everyone after. Everyone go out and watch. Yep, yep. So, um, it's it's gonna be like that. Uh, there's a what's that Steely Dan song? Um, the glamorous life or mm -hmm. the glamour life? And he's like. Spicy Szechuan and Mr. Chow's after the deal's done. Yay. I'm not going to Mr. Chow because I can't afford it, but I'm going to go get some burgers or something after this, Ooh. after this, and, and celebrate because it's it's a it's a big thing. It's a dream come true. You for would, sure. you deserve a fancy LA burger. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> not In and Out. I know, I know. I, yeah, but I do love In and Out. All right, so now we're putting on our Mega Pixel hat just because, like, I just want to know like the story behind you know you and. Ben is his name, correct? Yeah, Ben. Ben mm -hmm. just, like, teaming up to create that band. So Megapixel um, Megapixel's interesting, right? Because, you know, we are <laughs> – we're an active band, but we don't really do much. And it when we do do things, mm -hmm. that we'll go on, like, long spurts of, like, <laughs> shows and then put out something and then go hard on that and release, like, a sample pack, and, th and then we'll disappear. Hibernate. And it's not designed <laughs> that way. It's just – it was created initially as a writing project, but it, I was living in Dayton at the time. I had – uh, finished graduating um, fr uh, from the University of Dayton, so shout out to the Flyers. Um, I graduated. I was living down in Dayton. 
I had met Ben, who is also an alumni from UD, and uh, we were just playing show. Like I was playing the music circuit down there, just kind of mm-hmm. playing shows, meeting people, this and that. Met Ben through mutual friends. He is uh, I, I don't even know. He he's just a great person in terms of um, someone who's interested in a lot of things like I was, and I felt like a, a draw to him. Nice. Um, and we just met and kind of hung out and talked and got to jam a little bit and uh i think we had just started writing together like and at this point i wasn't playing guitar i wasn't playing piano i wasn't even making my own stuff i was just this little mc from cleveland Mm -hmm. (laughs) but (laughs) it was like one of those things where like maybe he was looking for something like that i was looking for someone who was like folk and not not i didn't know i was looking for it but it was like i needed something different and uh I, i learned a lot about music through him like Ben's really great at counterpoint and mm-hmm. I learned a lot about writing counterpoint and harmony and, and, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't. I learned a lot about, uh, theory through him. So like, that's how it kind of was born. And then we're like, you know, this is pretty cool. I wonder what would happen if we wrote some actual songs recorded on this and that. Um, so we did, and, uh, we did an EP called closer mm-hmm. and we debuted megapixel as a project live at South by Southwest yeah, I saw that video on your website. That yeah, seemed pretty like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is like such an interesting thing, right, to happen because I feel like a lot of times bands that go down there know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're they're going down there to deliver and to be seen by a lot of people. We were just like, yo, we're going to – this donut shop wants to have us come play, you know, for a couple hours. Like, we got all this new music that we've never really played before, and that's that's what it, what it was. And from, from that day, it's always, you know – or from that whole beginning point, it's always kind of been that thing is like – when it happens it happens Mm -hmm. and when it doesn't it's all good um but no matter what we always come up with like a cool a cool statement every time and like a we always just have fun um and it we're just so polar opposites in terms of music i think that like it just works so like it's 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 very much a collaborative project um i hope we uh we have something coming out soon ish we're always working on mm-hmm. stuff and we always like text each other like yo this could be a megapixel <laughs> idea what do you think about this or ben it, last week he just sent me like a a, a carpenter song and he's like yo we should we should flip hey. this or, you know things like that so it's like we're always trying to figure it out but it's like mm-hmm. megapixel is definitely not something that um we're always trying to it's not always in the forefront of our mind not yeah. for any reason other than it doesn't need to be um you know so i respect that yeah because i know megapixel your role in it, it's more like pop leaning. You're more mm-hmm. of like a lyricist rather than an MC. Yeah. How do your hip hop sensibilities carry over into your role as a pop lyricist? Is there any overlap? Um, a little bit. I think in hip hop, you know, well, okay. Let me let me say this. It's really hard to write a pop song. Yeah. It's really hard to write a hip hop song. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it, it's hard to do all that. But pop is interesting, and not that I'm not a great pop artist, but what's interesting about it is you know the goal is always to try and say as much as you can in as little uh, as little time right mm-hmm. or that that's be concise right? right so like i think knowing my way around um like 16s pretty well writing verses and 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 trying to use as much of a vocabulary as i can to like you know put a spin on words or mm-hmm. like say things in a certain way um that's helped with with writing for megapixel or writing for pop records or this and that but um i don't know i don't really feel that different i mean sometimes it's like 
I, you know, for our second project we did, it was a, it was a, an EP called the Sobble and, uh, it was named after this river by this cabin that we recorded it at. And, uh, I feel like when I was writing those songs, it was very much the same feeling as I have when I'm writing to, uh, you know, over a Dilla beat just to like pass the time or something like that. Cool. It was just the, the only difference is sometimes megapixels, like the material is a little bit more thematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if we read a song like Sweet or like uh, The Floor is Lava or one of our uh, How Long or whatever, we're trying to stay within that that thing. I don't have I'm not I'm not there to flex about right. how great I am as an <laughs> MC or, you know, whatever the case is. This is more of a fun question for me, but I saw that we both really liked Tyler, the creator. And I just want to know mm-hmm. what your favorite Tyler song was. Ooh, because I love Tyler with all my heart. Yes, uh, I do love Tyler. He's like a dream collaborator for me. Um, my favorite Tyler song, my favorite Tyler song would probably have to be, um, a cross between A Boy Is A Gun or, um, Heaven off the, the estate tale. Yes. I know it's a recent, that's a recent joint, um. I mean, there's there's other ones, too, but Heaven especially, I was like, Tyler's always been someone who I've looked up to who's been always unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you p- take a song like Heaven, Heaven to Me, or what, I don't even know. I, heaven to Me, be heaven. heaven Only Knows. I, yeah, something one like of the that. Two. Um, but anyways, that, that, that record, to hear like that version of it and it be kind of like demo-y, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's not like overproduced or whatever. It's just very raw. Yeah. Um. I, he he's great at doing that and then he's great at doing you know the igor stuff and um he's just always honest about whatever his intention is and what he's trying to convey he just says it mm-hmm. and like that's always been something i admired like there's there's really not when there is ambiguity it's it's very much purposeful and like you take something like a boy as a gun and like first of all a gorgeous production yeah um but like there the way that he is able to kind of assign roles to characters and come mm-hmm. up with like you know these these interactions of, of different people uh in in his mind and then put it into a song and make it fit within you know three minutes is like genius level you yeah. know whatever so i don't i don't know man yeah those are i don't even know if those are my favorite it's so hard like it's i'm hard thinking about flower too. boy i'm like oh I Garden Shed is a great song. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite I discovered him off of the album Cherry Bomb, which mm. I know not a lot of people like, but Love it. I loved how just like raw and experimental it was. Yes. Sure there's it's a little rough around the edges, you know, I'm not going to deny that, but like I, it holds a very like soft spot in my heart cuz I just remember like just stumbling across it on the bus one day. Yeah. Cause it was like, look at this album trending. And I listened to um Cherry Bomb off of that album and I just like loved how like it just sounded like you know this like huge like stadium rager and then like yeah. it just completely sh- switches into something else it just yes. blew my mind yeah he's he's phenomenal at at the whole like um juxtaposition of yeah. like pretty and ugly mm-hmm. and not like in a bad term ugly but just like just raw yeah, just this, in like, your face bubbling monster yeah. coming to get you but then also you're you know, running into a field of butterflies, and it's mm-hmm. the coolest feeling ever. Have you ever listened? Let me ask you this: Have you ever listened to the um, 
the instrumentals of Cherry Bomb. Yeah, I have the album saved. It is such a cool way to experience that record if you're someone who doesn't like Cherry Bomb. Like it, if you don't yeah. like if you didn't like it or whatever, go listen to the instrumentals because it's just it's just such a cool way to Like sure, I think some of the lyrics off the album are a little childish, but like I think just the production alone is just I th- yeah, people don't give it so its props. Good. It's so good. Um And I feel like just without the album and like what he learned from Cherry Bomb, we wouldn't have, you know, Igor, Flower Boy, yeah. Call Me If You Get Lost. Yeah, Igor is very much Igor is very much like a, a sibling to uh, Cherry Bomb mm-hmm. uh, in my ways. I feel like he took all of the hardcore stuff from Cherry Bomb and perfected that, and then all the beautiful like changes from Cherry Bomb, and then perfected that on Igor. Um, and Call Me If You Get Lost is just man, like I can't. There's not a bad song on there. Uh, I thought you wanted to dance. Yes. Yeah, that is a jam. Like that, that gorgeous, gorgeous song. I so. think my favorite off of it would probably be Safari. Yeah, as far as tight. The whole <laughs> aesthetic for that record was really inspiring too, and I don't know why, but like, I <laughs> this is so stupid. But like, <laughs> I love, I love loafers. I don't have like an extensive loafer collection. No, but... I get it because I love his aesthetic behind that yeah. album too. Just the whole like and... the bellhop vibe. Oh, it's so cool. And like it, 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 you know, whatever. So I'm like listening to this record. I'm like, you know what? Like I might go throw the rock boards on. <laughs> like I feel like I could keep. I some need to lo- get a Ushanka now. Yeah, hey. like what? <laughs> I'm, am I wearing this? You know, cardigan sweat. Now I'm wearing a scarf and all this crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I feel. I just love that he's able to assign a character and a and a thing to an era, and that's probably why folks love a lot, you know, like Taylor Swift, right? Mm-hmm. He's got that whole thing kind of going on too, and yeah. like Kanye or uh, you know, all these like artists always have these eras that they can kind of uh, point to and just say like, oh yeah, during this time mm-hmm. I was doing this and that. But Tyler's always been a master of that, um, and uh, yeah, I was when I. Uh, to go back to <laughs> when you get lost. But when, when that was still out, I, that's when I did that Europe trip mm-hmm. and my wife and I took a trip from, um, uh, Paris to go see our friend in Belgium. Oh, that's and like we were, perfect traveling music. Yes. Yeah. And it was on, uh, we were on the train mm-hmm. and I had that record on the whole time. And I was just like, <laughs> like, I felt like I was like in the, in the, the you album. know what I'm saying? Like it, it was so cool. Like I, it, it, it perfect traveling music for sure. Just like love, like when you know there's like a new Tyler album coming out when like people just like dressed from like a Wes Anderson film. Oh, yeah. I love yep, it. Yeah, <laughs> give me that all day. I love that. I mean, let people have fun. You right. know what I mean? Like his fans know what they are getting at a Tyler show. And like I saw, um, I've I've seen Tyler play it twice, and one of the times was on the Igor show. I uh, yeah, I saw him during Igor. Yeah. I was gonna see him during Call Me If You Get Lost, but he had to cancel the show due to like low staffing, which I respect. But yeah, I was yeah, so yeah. Sad. I missed that tour, but I really wanted to go. But yeah, I mean, he his fans. I guess what I'm getting at is like his fans know what they're gonna get from him, but they also don't know, and mm-hmm. that's part of the intrigue too. And yeah. like he keeps it very exciting, and yeah, it's just very admirable. So. Tyler, if you ever hear this, I'd love to work with you. <laughs> Tyler, if you're listening, we love you. Tyler, we love you. We'll fangirl about you all day. <laughs> but enough about Tyler. I got two questions left for you. How has Cleveland inspired your music? Oh, man. Um, Cleveland, okay. So, like, I, I've i never – I don't think I've ever thought of myself as, like, a – or I've never been thought of or seen, I think, as a Cleveland artist. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's a lot of artists – in Cleveland who when you think about Cleveland music you you think about those artists um and a lot of a lot of them right now like uh Chelsea Pastel she's killing it um 
you know, Corey Grand, you have um, SO, Broken Keys, all, you know, all these people are very much folks that I've been inspired by. Mm -hmm. And but but when I think of them, I'm like, yeah, OK, like these these are folks like when I look back on like the, the era of great Cleveland music that these are the folks who are out there doing it and they're yeah. still doing it. But I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't fit into that and not not because I I don't want to mm -hmm. or just I've just never been seen that way because I moved away when I was young. I did a lot of my growing up as an artist in Dayton. Mm -hmm. Then I moved. To, I lived in Columbus for four years and now I'm back in Cleveland. Now I'm back home and I'm trying to figure it out still. And, you know, I think like Cleveland has inspired me because it, you really do grow up with a bit of like a I don't want to call it like an underdog mentality, but like you do grow up uh with with a, a knowing you can do something mm -hmm. but knowing that you kind of have to work a little bit harder to yeah uh cut through you know what i'm saying um and cleveland's like, like a grit yeah th there is there is and like i i think like you get that in a lot of like cities uh around here you get that in detroit you get that in whatever but like um cleveland it, it, i don't know it's just there's so it's very eclectic mm -hmm. and it's like i feel like people always like if you can make it in cleveland you can make it anywhere mm -hmm. because to make it in cleveland is really hard you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's such a commerce-based city it's like i you i had this conversation with the um the kick drums uh alex fitz recently who is a cleveland legend for sure so shout out alex but um we were talking about this and he was saying like you know cleveland is a commerce city it's mm -hmm. it's it's something where a lot of the times in order for something to uh, cut through people need to know what the value is right and for someone who I, I i care about the value of something but like that's not my first intention like i don't i don't i don't think about making music as like how is this going to make me money mm -hmm. and i think like in a lot of ways maybe i should maybe maybe that would be better for me as as someone who would want to live off music mm -hmm. only but like it, Cleveland is it, there's the art scene is just so beautiful and so gorgeous but the the other side of it is just business and so I, I feel as though that like you you know really what I'm getting at is a lot of artists who excel in Cleveland mm -hmm. or from there are very well-rounded artists yeah and when they do go to places like LA or New York or bigger markets I guess they're able to adapt a little bit easier because they're just so well-rounded like you know i've i've played new york before i've 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 been um i've been in la tons of times and i always feel like when i'm out there it's like anyone you meet might be doing the same thing as you mm -hmm. but in cleveland it it's not necessarily that way yeah. um you you feel a little bit more individual and you you can like adapt and and kind of like you you have a better sense of understanding of yourself as whereas like when you're in a bigger market it's like yo the person who i'm getting my coffee from at the coffee shop probably has a way better discography <laughs> than me or something like that you know what i mean right. so it's like i don't i don't even know what i'm getting at it's just like i just feel as though that for me cleveland has inspired me to be someone who's more adaptable um not necessarily something to prove but know i know that i can do something and i i will show you like i will do this like i'm determined uh, for sure. Um, and I hope one day that, you know, people who listen to my music or whatever, like, oh, yeah, he's a Cleveland guy. Because mm -hmm. I've never really had that, but I, I, I want to get there eventually because I'm very proud of it. Final question, but and you, like, briefly gave us glimpses of what's up up and mm -hmm. coming, but do you have any news for fans of Dave's Up? 
Yeah, uh, actually, pretty immediate. Um, well, I don't like I said, I don't know when this will come out, but if it is before March second, oh yeah, um, well, hey, then March second, come see me and Marcus Smith uh, live at Coda in Tremont, up in Cleveland. We're putting on a show, or well, Marcus is putting on a show. I'm just opening up, but Crib Collective will be there as well, and uh, AKA and Co. It's gonna be an awesome awesome show i'm doing a whole bunch of brand new music that i've never played before um bringing my guitar bringing uh my homie derek on sax um might have some other friends join me as well so um yeah if you want to come hear new music and hang out uh that will be march 2nd at coda in tremont and other than that i'm trying to think i got a couple new songs on their way uh they're they're being mixed right now um i'm very indecisive when i figure out like what to put out but there are there are uh two that are coming out very soon Um, and other than that i don't know let's let's hang out find me online or something and yeah always trying to collaborate and whatever thank you so much for talking with me dave it's been super cool hanging out with you and i wish you the best yeah i appreciate it thanks for having me of course Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this interview, be sure to check out our other ones by searching Late Night Local Talent wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more Dave's Up and other cool local artists, you should totally check out their music every Monday from 10 to 11 p.m. on 88.1 WZIP. Bye, guys.